This Richmond podcast interview goes back to 2005 with a chat with a man who we don't normally hear from regarding his football career or let alone his sporting career. Blair Campbell came to the Richmond Football Club and had an astonishing debut where he kicked the winning goal after the siren on debut on his birthday. And later on, he became the coach of the Richmond Little League. It's a fascinating story. And I'm so glad I was able to sit down and have a good one hour conversation with him about his memories. He's a sensational man, a sensational sportsman by all accounts. Here is my conversation with Blair Campbell. Three, two, one. Friday, the 23rd of September, 2005. Brett Bartlett interview with Blair Campbell. I'll just put it there, is that okay? Firstly, thank you for your time, Blair. Pleasure. Um, right. I always start off um, an interview by asking, can I ask for your full name and your date of birth? Yes. <laughs> Blair Maysmore Campbell. Maysmore? Yes. How do you spell it? How's that surname spelled? M-A-E-S-M-O-R-E. I've never heard of that name. Neither have you. Ever. Ever. And it's a name that um, greatly amused Ray Jordan at the time. <laughs> he used to call me that. Oh. You know that squeaky little voice of race. Maysmore. Maysmore. Did, did he proceed it with any swearing at any stage? Not at that time. <laughs> However, he definitely cost us three or four goals a game because he was at those umpires from the moment, this is the under-19s, yeah. the game started till it, till it finished. He didn't like umpires, right? As of influence there, um, influence there officiating. Well, I reckon it cost us three or four goals. Yeah. Apart from his um, very vocalness that he had, was he a, a good coach? Very good, yeah. very knowledgeable, very shrewd, right. and of course, the great sense of humour with it. And he was the state cricketer as well yep. at the time, so like to me, you know, we we thought highly of him. So there, there was a respect between the players and the coach? I thought so, and um, he was a very good player himself. He, he was captain of Coburg in the VFA. Yeah. He played for Victoria. You're a footballer. Mm. Can I ask uh, your date of birth? 28th, 1946. Can you take me back to the 20th of the 8th, 1966? And tell me <laughs> what happened that day? It was a big day. It was a big day, and, and um, I started in an unusual way. We used to run um, footy down the park in East Malvern on Sundays. We called it Sunday League, and we had a whole lot of children playing on Sunday afternoons. Um, in fact, like 50 or 60 for a grand final. Hedgley Dean did not. Beautiful play. And on that Saturday morning, one of the boys turned 10, same day, I went through his birthday party before I played for Richmond that day. Simon Brisbane, I still know him well. Was your birthday that day? Yeah. How old were you at that 20. time? 20. You were 20. Yeah. So you went to Simon Brisbane's 10th birthday? I did. Like it was a birthday luncheon. Birthday luncheon? Yeah. Just, I guess, immediate family. Did you have birthday celebrations that morning? No. Yourself? Not at all. No. No. So but a friend organised something afterwards, David Morgan. Almost played for Richmond. Yes. He's now associated with Banks. He runs Westpac. Not a bad job. Not at all. So in the morning, there was nothing different on that day for you that morning, even though you were turned 20? I had. You didn't get any presents that morning? No. Not that I remember. (laughs) Then you went to Simon Brisbane's 10th birthday. Simon's 10th birthday. Right. In fact, um, your father was... um, went to some social gathering at the, the same house the next year, interestingly enough. Can't quite 
you know, give you the reason why, but George McGuinness was with him. Do you Goodness. remember Big George? Yes, his best man in his wedding. Oh, was he? Yes. Lovely man, Big George. I was actually going to mention someone in Brisbane's name later in the interview, and I will. Were you? Yes. See, you've done your homework. <laughs> that's true. He'll be impressed. Well, that's if I mention it correctly, but if I've got the right, the right facts. <laughs> I'm just trying to paint a picture of that, that yeah. afternoon. You're at his, at his house with his family? Yeah, lunchtime, birthday, and um, I, I guess... One was present. I would have, for sure. Yeah. You don't remember? No. Oh, gee, without doubt. Yeah, couldn't tell you what it was. Like. Thought it might have been a right. Could have been easily. Easily something to do with football. He's such a good little player himself. At that age. Yeah, he captained Richmond Little League, 1967. Yes. You knew that? Yes, and that's where I was going. Well, you know a lot if you know that. Going to bring his name up. Yeah. There. Once that finished, what was, the, what was the next? I would have gone to the ground with Dad. Right. Without any doubt at all. Yeah. That day. And I remember taking some friends too. So it was, a, it was a big occasion for you and the family? Definitely, yeah. Particularly Dad. Yeah. Why is that? Did, did he see your career through? You know, a very faithful life? supporter. Right. You know, a good player himself, loved football, yeah. and always went to the games that, where I was playing with my brother Chris. Right. Yeah. Never missed. So Dad would have taken me that time. And so you went a few friends as well? You brought them along? Yeah, brought some friends along for the ride. But I was the only 19th man, um, Chris. Yeah. The 19th man then meant there was a pretty good chance you wouldn't even get on. Did you expect that you were going to get on? No, I didn't. No. So, off they went into the stands, I guess. Sorry, where was this at? This was, was at that South Melbourne, right. you know, before, you know, it was before it came to bulldoze it a few years ago. The, um, how did you get to the game? Did you, did you find the drive? Yep. Drive you there? I'm assuming that was, that was yep. the case. I, I would have just had a licence. I got my licence late about, probably around the same time as my birthday. Right. Yeah. And do you remember anything prior to the game while you were in the rooms? Or was an odd man not in the rooms? Was he just... He was part of it. Part of he didn't run out in the ground though. Right. So you went... You just went walked to the bench. You weren't present for a, a pre-match speech? Yes, you would have been. been. Yeah. Right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm. My earliest memory of the game was... The most vivid memory really is running out at half time when for some reason... I'd replaced, I think, Peter Hogan and I don't know why. I was trying to find out the reason why, and I'm yet to find out, but he did replace Peter Hogan. I don't think he was injured. And, and if, if he was, then that's understandable, sure. but it was a radical thing to do, because once you're off, you didn't come back. So if you weren't injured, if you were taken off the field... That was it. Yeah. You watch for the rest that, of the game. But that rarely occurred, because that was... For that reason, it left your place short. Yeah. Even now, I can remember running out and not really, my feet not really touching the ground. At half-time, when everyone else was just jogging out, you know, second half of the game, no big deal. So, are you saying that you come out at the start of the third quarter? I did. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can't recall being told that you were, you were going onto the field of the third quarter? No. You are running onto the yeah, field? Yeah, running my feet out, touching the The, um... That's true. And where did you line up? I went to the forward pocket, and I'm thinking, how am I ever going to need a kick? Why were you thinking that? Uh, I'm sure, like, that's the... The, um, the, um, the status that league football has. Right. You know, I'd played in the seconds, and you know, I'd gone around in the seconds. But all of a sudden, I'm playing league football, and thinking, you know, I'm never going to touch it. And the, fun the funniest thing was, this gigantic pack of players flew for the ball. Harrison from South right in the middle, who's a very good high mark, collapsed in front of me, the whole pack, and all of a sudden the ball's just down. You know, like, pick it up, like, train. That was the first kick I remember. Did it go 
I used the boomerang pass to Paddy Ganone. As your first kick? Yes. And he was on an angle and knowing Paddy, I don't reckon he would have kicked it. <laughs> I'll check that for you and see if we can find oh, it. See if you can check that, I'll be impressed. <laughs> Big booming top, but not that accurate, Paddy. I'm running it down. That is true. Good man, too. Who did you play with? Well, in the back pocket was Herbie Matthews, a good player, and his dad had won the Brownlow. South were not a good side, but for some reason they're playing well all day against Richmond that, that afternoon. They were low on the ladder. Richmond were having a good year and needed to win the game. Mm. Would you have, while you're on the ground, looked out for your family? Try to find in the in the few in the uh, on other occasions I remember really? doing that definitely oh yeah it's, uh, it's this classic time I was playing for Melbourne I was telling Luke the other day I took two girls to the the uh, to the game they were both just friends not girlfriends at the time yeah. and they sat in the members and I knew where they were I could see them and I sort of kept an eye up, up, up during the game game in the balance last quarter <laughs> anyone's going to win it and I look over to where they are they're not there. And I asked them, where'd you go afterwards? They said, oh, we're powdering our noses. It was a classic girl thing. Just when the game was either to be won or lost, I thought, gee, they'll be watching now, you know. Yeah. Exciting fun out there. Did you say in the full pocket for the whole Richmond? I rode with Kevin Budden. So you moved from the full pocket to rode? Mm. Yeah. And then from, from what I remember, I had plenty of time in the ball too. Yeah. yeah. So who was rocking at that time, do you remember? Michael Green was full back. Oh, Austin Robinson held him to six. Pretty good effort. <laughs> <laughs> drop kicking out, he tells me now. No. Yeah, drop kicking, you said. Sure yeah, that's That was the thing to do for fullback. I don't know who was in the ruck for Richard Neville Crow was. Mm. Um, for a, sure. Apart from obviously the last few moments of the game, which we'll talk about. Do you have any other memories of that day? Yeah, first, um, Jack Dye was um, commentating that day. Really? Yeah. And um, the first shot I had for goal yeah. was down the um, the St Kilda end. You know, I would have been about 30, 40 yards out. I got a free kick on the angle, and I've gone the boomerang. You see, instead of just like kicking a tall board, drop punts were back then. But by the way, not for very long. Mm. The drop punt, punt disappeared out of football for about 10 years, believe it or not. It was back then, but only just. So when Jack Dye was instructing Kevin on the drop punt. It was still a bit of an esoteric kick. Yeah, now, I mean, it's coming close to knowing kicks anything else, but yeah. then it was, you know, people tempted talks, they attempted drop kicks. Yeah. So I've gone, you know, I've run out, run out and hooked back and missed the first shot. And I know someone said to me later, Jack Dye, he said, he called that a helicopter punt. <laughs> you know how Jack had, that, Jack had that extraordinary way of words, you know? And he's come up with a question already, he called it a helicopter, helicopter punt. Right. Missed. To the right. So you kicked it behind, yep. but still you've scored some sort of scoring shot, which is a bad thing they do. Yep. Granted, you've tried to do it with a kick that you sort of introduced into Victoria. Correct. And missed. And, <laughs> and not by much. <laughs> Anything further before the end of the game occurred? I remember trying to block around um, Bobby Skilton getting caught holding the ball. I can remember one very embarrassing moment when I grabbed the ball on the half-back line I've attempted to pass it to someone, you know, a centre-line player for Richard and it just missed the mark and the South Melbourne guy just screamed down the ground and kicked the goal, I remember that. Didn't miss by much, but enough to just set up a yeah. scoring chance for the... Yeah. And I remember being feeling comfortable and getting a few kicks. Right. Yeah. We never. No, yeah. except for that early moment when yeah. I thought I'd never touch the ball in league footy. How can I? <laughs> 
I've got to go to my stats here. Hold on, wait a sec. Tell me about Stan Fisher. Yeah, um, only one umpire there, and um, I wouldn't have known who he was. Mm. And yet, I would think the standard of umpiring them was a lot better. Really? Yeah, I would. They, they, were certain, they certainly had the, generally had the respect to the players, and they had the, the one man controlling the whole game. You had to be good. <coughs> Three, too many, ridiculous. Mm. But one, hard work. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the only. The only reason I knew Stan was umpiring was afterwards when you know been, there was a lot of controversy about whether that um, kick after the sign had been touched off the mark. Did you speak to him at any stage no. after no. that game? No, and he didn't speak to me either. No. no. Can you can you take me back to those last few moments? How you remember the ball coming to you? I knew the game was close, yeah. and I knew the game was getting towards the end, but that's all you knew then. Mm. Well, it wasn't a time block. No. That's right. Lovely ground, though. Really. Yeah, South Melbourne, beautiful ground for sport, cricket or football. And I reckon it was Billy Barrett came screaming out of the centre. He's attempted the drop and he's miskicked it. And I was just standing by myself, I reckon about 25 yards out dead in front of taking the mark over my head. By yourself? By myself. No, no. one was on No one on me. Not at all. But it was a miskick, you see. Yeah. Often the case, isn't it? Mm. The most dangerous kick can often be the miskick. Mm. I've marked it. The siren must have sounded, but I didn't hear it. Isn't that strange? You know how sometimes we hear on, on you know, television, you know, replays or, or something of, of games where the umpire didn't hear the siren? I did not hear the siren at all. Did anyone tell you the siren? Again? I don't think so. <laughs> I knew it was over though. Yeah. I knew it was over because I think people started to, to come out. And I also knew Richmond was just behind. I did know that. And this will show you the year it was. I've gone for the talk, you see, I've gone back. Right. Had my shot for goal. Did anyone offer you advice? No advice from anyone at all. I'm looking, the sun's just coming down over the grandstand at South Melbourne. I'm trying to shield my ice to kick. Um, so when I did kick, it was a very poor kick. And it just cleared the hands of the, the, the ruckman in the goals and went through it. So it was given a goal. Herbie Matthews was on the mark. I can't remember whether, and, and Bobby Skilton was there, and there was some sort of some sort of protest about it being touched on the ground. Then, there. I think so. Yeah. I wasn't particularly aware of that, nor 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 did that particular you know protest last long. Yeah. People weren't yelling or cursing or swearing or anything. I think he may have said, "I touched that." I didn't know if he did or not, but I wouldn't be surprised that he did because it was such a poor kick. And Skilton was there, and I would say Skilton was an honest man. Mm. I reckon they did touch it, but I didn't know. It's interesting you mentioned the setting sun because there was a quote I found in the paper saying that you said you couldn't see the goals because of the setting sun. You found on, that quote on, on the ground. Jack Dunn's story. Most likely. Yeah, because that was the first time I was a cadet journalist then. Right. I suppose I was used to misquoting people myself. That was <laughs> that was a good quote. That was that quote was correct. And then he, he said something like, you know, uh, some comment he put that I'd made that sort of seemed like, you know, boasting. I'd never said it. Mm. And that, that was the fir my first bad experience with a journalist. Was that like your first ever interview? Yes. Or did it would Jack have been. come up to you and Jack Dunn saw me later? Yeah, sometime. Yeah, and asked quote. me get all these quotes. Well, there's a few quotes I want to talk to you about shortly. One of them was um, 
There was a reference to say, to say that Blake Campbell keeps on laughing every time he kicks a boomerang goal. Yeah. That wasn't the case, was it? Well... Did you find it funny? I remember someone saying that to me. And I can remember replying, you know, I don't... You know, it's not a laughing matter if you miss. That was all I could remember. But, yeah, I've seen some... Yeah, yeah it was... Uh, celebrations then, of course, were, were, were like... Um, Almost non-existence compared to now. Oh. Yeah. In fact, I think Kevin brought that in with a wave in the hand as he went screaming through the goal screen and kicked another one. I was trying to reconstruct the last moments of the game, and from what I can understand now, it might be different to obviously your memory and stuff like that. Of course. Apparently, Dan Fisher gave a free kick to Billy Barrett in the centre of the ground right. from the ruck contest. Yeah. He then proceeded to kick the ball to Northey, oh. who received a free kick, and Northey delivered the ball to yourself. Right. And from that mark, you kicked the goal. Interesting. I remember reading that in The Age, and I still maintain myself <laughs> that it was a Barrett miss kick. However, that could well be the case. The funny thing is, I haven't interviewed Bill Barrett yet, so when I do, oh, yeah. it'll be one of my questions. He might remember. Um, did you celebrate? Uh, in the rooms? Yeah, after the game. It was um, you very low-key. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What about for yourself, for a man who's, who's celebrating his 20th birthday in his first league game? It's, um... I, you know, I guess I just, um... loved playing it when I first came to league football. I, the fact that I'd kicked the goal after the siren was all a bit, you know, surreal, really. That's everyone's dream, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, doesn't it, when it happens. There were, there, were, there were two things that sort of made it um, not quite as, you know, spectacular. One, the South Melbourne players were claiming it was touched. Three, actually, two was a shocking kick. And three, I didn't hear the siren. Well, for what I believe, you're the only player to kick the winning goal on your first on, on debut. But when I was looking through the AFL 2005 record of every player who's ever kicked a goal after the siren to win the game, you weren't listed. Yeah, that's an odd thing. So I sent an email off to the AFL to say you may want to, might be a bit of an oversight, so hopefully they'll, they'll fix it up, but yeah. sometimes things just get missed along the way. That and that did, yeah. yeah. And um, when you say it was the only time, that wouldn't surprise me, that'd be very unusual, wouldn't it? <laughs> Even now talking about it, you couldn't possibly imagine. No, you're right. You couldn't possibly imagine. No, in fact, you're right, it's, it's a fictional type of, um, of a situation. Why were you, do you remember being picked as 19th man for that game? Did. did it occur at training? No, or? I'm glad you asked me that question because um, Dad and I were listening, you know, in the time-honoured fashion in the in the lounge room to the footy tights on radio. That's how I heard. Um, league teams? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have an inkling that you might have been... Yeah, I thought I'd, I was a good chance to be picked then. Yeah. yeah, I did. Perhaps someone had said something to me. I know I'd played some good games in the seconds. Yeah. I wasn't surprised. surprised. In fact, I was a bit disappointed I was none. Really? Yes, because, you see, 19th can mean yeah. watching. Yeah. Was it a, was it a weekly ritual to, to listen to Leeds yes. to see if your name was? Oh, not necessarily because I right. Dad and I had been listening to them since I was old enough to understand. Right. Simple as that. So where were you living at the time? East Melbourne. Yeah. So how'd you get to train? Um. Well, I was working in Northcote. As I was um, a cadet journalist right. with Leader Publishing. Um, I reckon I must have got the train until I got my license. I don't have a strong memory of it, no. Yeah. 
but it might have meant they didn't have to train as much as normal. You were saying that there was a chance, or you had an inkling that maybe you were going to be selected? Yeah. I hoped I would anyway. Because the senior game is around 17. Yes. Around 14 and 15 for the reserves, you kicked six goals and then seven goals. Yes. The After I kicked the seven, yeah. I thought I'd be a big chance to get a game, but I didn't. Yeah. Funnily enough, I, I played another game and I thought it was an ordinary game and then I was picking on it. So, yeah. so in the reserves around that time, were you, were you in the forward line? Yeah, I was playing Rover forward pocket. Right. Yeah. And who was coaching the seniors at the time? Now, Tom Hafey was coach of Richmond and John Nix the second. Did you know much about Tom before he came to Richmond? Yeah, I did. Right. Yeah. In fact, um, I'd played football with his younger brother, at least from Melbourne under 15s. Michael? Peter? I'm not sure. Yeah. And Ray Jordan was coach of that team. That was Ray's first coaching job. Which, uh, East Melbourne under 15, 1961. <coughs> and Tom Hafey's younger brother, very young then, because he would have been 12 this boy at the time. And yeah, I knew of Tom Hafey as a Richmond back pocket player. I knew he'd gone to the country to coach. Yeah. He was an East Melbourne boy too, I think. He certainly was. Yeah. There was. There's always been suggestions that Tommy uh, big on fitness and training. Yeah. What, do you, what are your memories of, of training under Tom Hayes? He was the fittest person there. The coach was the fittest person. Mm. And but was it gruelling training? It was, it was hard training. Yeah. No, I wouldn't call it gruelling. Um, it might have been by, you know, standards at the time. Yeah. But the older players, for instance, like uh, Michael Patterson and Fred Swift, just for example, yeah. it must have been a bit gruelling for them because when we were doing the single-file Indian style around the Richmond ground in the, you know, the mud and the blood and the beer, you know, They'd be sitting in the coach's box. <laughs> if they could. Yeah. And that's not an apocryphal story, that's true. I can I can remember seeing it Swifty and probably Michael Patterson sitting there, waiting until that was done. Maybe they ain't their Jews, is that what happened? <laughs> Been there for such a long time. Exactly. And they see they would have played most of their footy in the era where training was well, you know, yeah. not as intense, but like that. But did you, did you train consist with the weight sessions? Were there no weights. Were there, well, because we didn't have a gym? No, probably. There was no weights at all. And that's amazing, isn't it? When you yeah. think of Tom Hafey, how yeah. physically strong, and he would have been, you know, you would think very enthusiastic about, you know, weight training, but there was no. With the laps around the town? Yes, but that was pretty soon. Okay. So training itself would be sprints? Or kick to kick? Continually running? Or? Kick a kick beforehand. That's the first time I ever saw Royce Hart. I was walking into training one night yeah. in 1966, and I look over and I think, "Who's that boy taking those marks all over all the Richmond ruckmen like Crow and Patterson and all the big guys?" It was Royce Hart. Phenomenal. Had you had you heard of Royce Hart before? No. Yeah. No, no. Just who is he? What's he doing? How can he do that? You know, he's flying above these giants who love the big men. Don't you remember in in, the, in school yeah, that they love the kick to kick? They'd be you know, jumping on your back, you know. But then Royce, I guess, was a hero in a, in a game later on in the, the grand final, 66, the reserves, when he kicked the winning goal. Were you playing in that game? I reckon um, it was kicked under the half-forward line and it was either Royce or me to mark it. Right. And I, I don't know if I just let him mark it because I knew what a good player he was or it was just slightly, you know, the ball went slightly to him, you know, in his line of vision, but I stand next to him. If, uh, Did you offer any advice, considering, you know, there's a, you know, down the track where you're, you're about to do it yourself on stage? <laughs> His was just before the sign, granted, but... Um, um, no, I didn't say anything. It was a big kick. 
It would have been a mistake. He does say it was a big kick. It might have been about 60 metres. It was a big kick. And amazingly, Richmond seconds. Hadn't lost a game for the year. The last five minutes of the season, they were going to lose them. The one that mattered, that was odd. He, yeah, he kicked the goal when the game. Was Thankfully, it didn't. They didn't lose. But were the celebrations on that day? Well, I said to, the scene, I did say to Mark, I'm glad you asked me that question. Mark, Mark, I said to Michael Green quite recently, I didn't stay for any celebrations, not that I drank anyway or anything like that. Yeah. I went straight out of the rooms after, you know, as soon as possible. Joined my father and the members, a lifelong St Kilda supporter, and had played with St Kilda, and so had his dad, and we watched St Kilda win by a point. The most perfect day. Perfect it day. was. What was the what was the emotions that your father felt? Do you remember? Do you remember seeing him react to the win? And not a, an emotional man. Emotionally reserved, yeah. but. Um, could probably identify with the St Kilda supporter who said after the game, well, I can die happy. So he played league football? Dad played A-grade amateurs for Collegians after leaving school where he kicked 32 goals in a game for Trinity Grammar, first 18. He had the remark this remarkable finish to his career, right? Could only happen then. 1946, he played for St Kilda Seconds. I said to him, what number were you, Dad? He said, we just used to pick our jumper up off the pile in the room. <laughs> 1947, he played for Campbell on the VFA. And 1948, he went back to Collegians in the Amateurs. League football, association football, yeah. amateur football, last three seasons. <laughs> and what was his what was his name? Colin. Colin. Yeah. Colin Campbell. Yeah. In New York, your dad too, and and your, your father's right. parents and you know, a great admirer of Kevin. And yeah, in the under 19s, because you did get to know the friends and family. Because yeah. there wouldn't be many people watching. No, and you would, you'd get to know they were quite a tight knit group. Yeah. yeah, it was lovely, that's a good part of it. So if he was a lifelong, if he was a lifelong son, Kilda supporter, what were you? Well, a good question, excuse me. Who's the Who? You couldn't have. I <laughs> Freaky. Brett, that's murder. Hi, I'm going to be nice and rigid. Now, I'm just going to report this. Is that Jim? Backpack, rubbish bin, outside Kilda Station. Right. What's the special report, Darcy? I don't know. What did she say? Something suspicious, apparently. Might just be Swan supporters. <laughs> I'm in West Coast, I'm just going to Swan. Exactly, we didn't know. Your father was a lifelong St. Kilda supporter. Yes. Were you? Geelong was my first team. Why, why Geelong? Probably because they were so good. Yeah. Um, in through the early 50s. Right. You know, the great footballers, um, Bernie Smith and Bobby Davis, Fred Flanagan, Peter Piano, and Notre Dame. They, they were a classic side. Mm. I was, I've always been attracted to the skillful side of footy young. Right? Mm. They were extremely skillful. You know, Bobby Davis is as good as he you know, facetiously says he was. He's the modern day Laurie Nash. And he's true, he was, a, oh, he was a good player. Yeah. He'd grab the ball, you know, on the, on the wing. He'd start running down the field, bounce, 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 and drop to get into the square or goal. That's yeah. how he played, fast as lightning and fought in stone. Yes, sir? Did you go see them play? I did. In, and, um, in July? Yes. Great. Dad used to take me down there occasionally, and we'd go and see him um, when they were in Melbourne. Pretty good effort, because Dad wanted to watch St Kilda as well. Yeah. St Kilda, of course, at the time was very weak. But it got better through the 50s. And um, in the end... 
because I used to go and watch St Kilda a lot with Dad and St Kilda were improving, Geelong were fizzling out. For a time there, I, I followed, like, there's a, just before I started to play at Richmond, I followed St Kilda. So I kind of converted briefly. Uh, uh, yeah. But how did you end up at Richmond? Well, zoned to Richmond. Okay. Yeah. Because you were living in what, what street? East Melbourne. Okay. Richmond, yeah, and um, Richmond, of course, an unfashionable side then, mm. through the 60s. Yeah, they had a very low period. So you wouldn't have picked Richmond by choice to go to. It was a game where they actually failed to kick a goal, and that was against St Kilda. I think I remember it. I think it was at Punt Row. Yeah. Last time it's ever happened in the football. Yeah, they just... There was a trough. There was a yes. Was just yeah, that's right. Not so bad during the, mm. through the 50s and then just sank, didn't they, to that... the old death and resurrection. So they have to get low before you can rise again. So because you were, you were zoned to Richmond, I mean, <coughs> just to clarify for me, did representatives from Richmond come and speak to your family or was it just sign this or...? Graham Richmond wrote me a letter right. um, at one stage. Um, saying come play down to 17s, but I was playing at school at the time, Melbourne High School in the 17s. Yeah. And um, I'd played in Ray Jordan's under 15 side in 1961. In 1963, I'd gone to East Melbourne and I was playing in the Federal League. That was the start of knee trouble for me, but at some stage during that year, Ray came and watched a couple of games and I trained at Richmond myself in the under 19s at the end of 63 and started playing in 64. Right. Yeah. You were talking about your knee troubles. Can you tell me about the game of squash in 1967 that apparently caused a knee injury for you? I um. It, so the story goes. I don't know if that's. One of my like, as one of my bitter regrets would be that I didn't get the chance to play in the 1967 season. I got into the first at the end of 1966 and played well. And um, at the beginning, it's but I. Funnily enough, even at the end of that in 66, I couldn't even kick him the right foot when I was playing those initial games of league football. That's, the knee was dodgy then. Yeah. Played cricket for St Kilda that summer, and I was batting at Perrin one day against, um, in the seconds, slogging sixes, and I noticed something clicking the, the, uh, the leg. And uh, the next day, and I reckon Kevin was playing too, they had that peculiar game in world of sport called touch football. Yeah. Handball it was. It was, a, it was a good fun. Yeah, yeah good fun. That's when it went properly. During that? Yes. Right. So what was the... Um, I mean, what, what does somebody in 1967 do when, when they had knee trouble? I went to see John Woodward, the orthopedic surgeon. No idea really what was wrong with it, but I knew it was bad. And um, eventually, um, you know, I had the two cartilages out of the right knee and missed the whole season and coach the Little League, so. So now here comes a few questions I've been wanting to ask. Firstly, I'll go back to the... Did, did your engineer have anything to do with the game of squash? No. Nothing to do with squash? No. Right, I'll blame Jack Dunn for that one. <laughs> I blamed you for a few others tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, how long had the Little League been around? That was the first year. Right. right. It was how great you, fun. How were you approached? Graham Richmond asked me to do it. Yeah. Very kind to me all the way through, yeah. Graham. And he's, you know, he obviously realised I wasn't doing anything. He knew, he knew that, you know, that I um, like coaching children. Mm. He said, do that. He said, why don't you do it? And I was happy to do it for the... Were you on crutches? No. Right. No, I, was, I actually, I, I made a good good recovery that year. Yeah. 
And um, in three months, you know, I was right to do anything really except play footy. Right. Yeah. And in an article, again, it might be Jack Dunn, you mentioned one particular player in the Little League who you think I want to play in football. <coughs> His name is Simon Brisbane. Such a good little player when he was young, he never did. He played a couple of premierships at, uh, he played one premiership at Cobram when he was young. Yeah. Only one boy from that team that I know of played league football, Steve Curtin, he played for St Kilda. And they were the pick of the under 11 um, players out of Richmond's metropolitan zone. Right. So it was a good side. All the boys who thought they were good enough from met Richmond's metropolitan zone came to training at Richmond and we picked a site. So when did they train? When would you take Little League training? <laughs> I reckon we trained, uh, you know, where, where um, Australian Rules Football first started, just somewhere out in the paddock, really? you know, beyond the Richmond ground. I do, I don't remember. We might have occasionally trained, trained at Richmond. Yeah. On a Wednesday, come to think of it, we did. That would have been the night when there was no league training. Sure. Okay. In fact, I reckon we trained then more often than not. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just one, once a week training was? No. Can you tell me what does Little League training consist of <laughs> in 1967? The report suggests you were um, teaching everyone to kick the boomerang. <laughs> I wouldn't deny that. It's probably an apocryphal story, but I'm, I'm happy to go with that. I tell you one thing though, Rick. I remember my one, one of my clear memories of it, and it was a lovely thing to do, there's no doubt. I had 11 children, absolutely delightful, so excited, you know. Um, I remember my speeches used to go longer than the games. 14-minute matches. Yeah. You know, they'd whisk you on, you know, they'd put the frisbees around. It was the whole game. It was the round. They um, didn't play the... Oh, they played the opposite way to the, you know, the, the, the ground. Across the yeah, across yeah. the ground. And it'd all be, like, done in, you know, high speed because it had to happen half-time and you had to get off before, the, you know, the league game started. Right, so it was half-time of a senior match. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. Every, every side was in it. Right. Yeah. And it went virtually the whole season. Any other um, any other players who, who were coaching other clubs? Not that I know of. No. No. Was there a? I mean, did, was there a literally committee? Was there? I mean, was it? Graham Donaldson ran it, it so for the state a, bank. Great established. There was actually a you know. It was very well organised. Yeah. It was. Yeah. You know, we used to get buses to go. You know, to Geelong, for instance. You would go down to Geelong and play a 40-minute game. Yes. I remember doing that. I remember stopping. You know, having a kick. You know, on the outskirts of July, because you know the kids have been on the bus long enough. Would you? Were you then allowed to watch the remainder of the yes. game? Yes. Yep. All as a team. Where did they go afterwards? That I can't remember. <laughs> All those children. <laughs> um, how did they go in '67? Out of interest, do you remember? Third. Okay. So there was final series. My word, it was a genuine season followed by the proper finals. You know, first semi, second semi, yeah. prelim final. Yeah. yeah. All played. In front of league crowds, you know, on league grounds, yeah. So what final did we lose, Blair? We lost the preliminary. To who? I don't know, but there was an element of controversy because like, this is really stretching it. These mini quarters, we reckon one went a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> did we lodge a complaint? We didn't. We took a light man. <laughs> All young boys. Exactly, yes. Um, I only have a few more questions. I won't take up too much more of your time. At the start of 1966, when you were in the reserves, you broke a bone in your hand against Carlton. Glad you asked me that one because I'd played the first game in the seconds. I had a good game. Yeah. Broke the bone and uh, didn't know it until about midnight. I'd gone to a church camp and it must have been a late night. And I went to turn a tap on and couldn't. I thought, that's a bit of a worry. <laughs> I couldn't turn the tap on. 
Simple as that. So I'm thinking during the week, I had a, I went to the club doctor and he said it's only badly bruised, you see. And I thought, I knew it was worse than that, mm. but I decided I was going to train the Tuesday and Thursday because I thought they might pick me in the first, you know, like 19th man. I had the good first game, kick five goals in the seconds. I thought, I won't sing them. I'll see what I'll see if they pick me in the first as nineteenth. They didn't know I went to my own doctor and I had twelve weeks out. Mm. I would have sat on the bench. Broken bone in the hand, full <laughs> knee. Funnily enough though, it was broken alright, but I, I must have trained. I don't know how I did it because it was a nasty injury. I don't recall how you broke bone in the hand. Yeah, I do. I do. It was the funniest thing. It was at Carlton, far end. Left hand side. You know, left-hand pocket. I've picked it up, running into the pocket. Boomeranged it back yeah. for a goal. And as I'm so tight to the, on the boundary, I've put my hand down to... I've slipped, put my hand down to steady myself on the gutter, the gutter going around the ground. Yeah. Did not feel one thing until 12 o'clock that night. And then I've gone to turn a tap and I thought, what? <laughs> Couldn't. Was, um... I want to touch on the boomerang kick for a moment, if I can. What, what impact did Bill Young have on you? I used to go, family. yeah, certainly. Yeah, oh, well, Dad loved him. And so did the security crack the grandstand at Rock when he went near the, the ball down mm-hmm. at the junction over. He didn't get it very often, but they knew when he did, he'd kick a goal. I was watching him as a boy, probably 12 or 13. And I'm watching him run out, snap the ball back over his left shoulder. And I'm thinking, he's doing something radically different there. It's not the normal way that people snap for goal. He's holding the ball really in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. It's normal. And um, I watched him kick a few goals like that and started to experiment with it myself. Yeah. Funnily enough, he played five years, very successful player, and everyone acknowledged him as a brilliant kick for goal, snap and torpedo. No one seemed to notice that he did anything different when he was um, snapping, snapping goals around corners, yeah, kicking goals around corners, or from a deliberate shot. Even commonplace now, he'd run out, you know, he'd run across, open up the face of the goal and hook it back with the boomerang. People just tended to think, you know, they called him a freak, freak kick for goal. Right. So when he, when he left, the kick went with him. So the kick disappeared altogether until I started using it at Richmond and for some reason people started to notice it and I'm not sure why. Is it possibly because every kick you did was a boomerang? Yeah, kick? yeah, it could have been that. <laughs> Did you, I was going to say, do you, remember, you don't remember the first time you used it? <laughs> I overused it. You overused it? Oh, yes, I did. When, 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 when did you use a boomerang kick in a game? Well, there were two, two times you would, you know. Yeah. It was, it's a very, it, it is, in their presence, it's a very good kick for keeping the ball in play when you're running tight to the boundary, yeah. you know, in general play, yeah. anywhere on the ground. Yeah. Great for that. Yeah. And, of course, it just, as you see today, yeah. it makes impossible goals look easy. And even today, you know, very few commentators... Uh, really understand, you know, what the person's doing. They say, oh, he's kicked around corners or kicked across his body, but they don't, still don't seem to acknowledge, you know, that it involved turning the ball on a, you know, 45-degree angle and, you know, kicking it like that. Did you give it its name? Yeah, I did. I call it a boomerang kick because of the way, uh, because it's flight through the air. Did you give it any other name before No, that? I didn't. It was unnamed by Bill Young. Yeah. Yeah. Do you recall Bill ever talking about it? Did he... Were there any... Press comments about no, that's it. That's a fair question. Things. Nothing that I recall. You seem to be the only kid to notice Bill Young. And you know, I've, I've said that to my own boys. I said, isn't that strange? Why was that the case? I was just a little, a, a young boy in the crowd, yeah. watching him playing, and 
noticing that he was doing something quite different, mm. brilliantly effective. Mm. Why didn't his teammates notice it? Why didn't the press notice it? You know, why didn't his opponents notice it? And you know, copy it. Because what happened was that a, f a few people from other clubs even started to copy it when I used it. I remember some Kilda players saying to me, we're kicking it in the rooms. You know, it's a novel, it's like a novelty kick. Yeah. I don't reckon your father kicked one for his life. All, all those 900 goals. And I don't think Lee Matthews did either. But every brilliant goal kicker in the last 10 years has used it. So if we look back now, I've seen reports where they say that you created the boomerang kick, others, some say you saw Bill Young do it. I mean, to... I mean, to set the record straight, what was your contribution to the banana kick, to the boomerang? I reckon, I reckon someone, some football historian put it, actually said that I popularised it. I think that's a good word. Yeah. Even so, not too many people were using it after that, you know, 20-odd games that I played. Just the same. Robert Lamb did. He was like a protege of mine. He used it. I remember, like, I reckon Dickie Clay and Michael Green were experimenting with it at the time yeah. too, just marking around at training with it yeah. as a result, mm -hmm. you know, just seeing something quite different. It's contagious, if that's not not quite the right word, but there's something about it, you see, you start kicking it. Yeah. Even today you see them, don't you? They don't have to, they don't have to kick it after the time, they just run out and hook it back, yeah. just for the sheer pleasure of it. Yeah. You know, instead of just going straight on with a drop punt, I'll just run across and boom, some of those guys. Dunstall, Jarman, Ablett, Lockett. Yeah. Masters of the kick. So should we ask for royalties? Should, we, should, we, <laughs> should there be some sort of compensation? That sounds good to me. Um, can you just very quickly, I won't take up too much of your time, can you explain to me what, what's the best way to kick a boomerang kick from the man who introduced it? Is there, a, is there some secret? Is there a thing you have to be sure of? What's the secret to kicking a proper boomerang kick? Well, the, the one I call the proper boomerang kick, of course, is, is the one where it's, um, you know, um, come off the pack's hands yeah. and you're running across the face of the goal. And, and, and uh, do you remember the one that the two Ackham Man Manus kicked late this season? Absolute classic boomerang goals running hard into the boundary. No possible way of any other kick going through from there. Um, the, well, the secret is, I guess you've got to be a good kicker of football for a start, and and you, it's, it's, it's the way, it's the angle it hits the boot at, and to me that it's held like you know, a 45 degree angle across the across your body. Right. Do you have to follow through much? No, but the 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 great thing about it was when you're snapping for goal, you're under generally under pressure. You've got an opponent running at you or mm -hmm. trying to push you right down. It seems to me that you know you're very well balanced and you're sort of protected as you kick it. Whereas the other way, when you just turn it round the normal way, you sort of you get into a position where you're easily pushed out of it. Yeah. Yeah. This one, you're still hunched over it as you're yeah. kicking it. Yeah. I'll make a note of that. Thank you. So when I'm out of the park. <laughs> but other than the boomerang kick, is there any other kick that you invented or were on the verge of inventing? No, but it's Did evolved. You? Yeah. Uh, it has. Like, for a start, there's another one, and Ray Jordan mentioned it to me some years ago, that I called a half boomerang. It's like a half boomerang, half drop punt. It's, not dro it's dropped on an angle, but not an, accept an accentuated angle. And so, whereas the boomerang turns like this, Ruth, and come round and round and round, like a boomerang coming the full circle, this one, this one doesn't. It holds its own in the end. Did you? No. You didn't create I that. didn't. 
No, I've seen other people do it. Some people who I've been speaking to in preparation for interviewing you have said that you were unpredictable on the field. You had this... When you had the ball, there was not... Who knows what you were going to do with the ball or in what direction it was going to go. Ah. Ron Rife in particular can still recall you at Carlton in the 68 kicking five goals and you had the ball on the string. It could go anywhere. Is that how you sum up... I mean, if you were to sum up your career, your football style, were you... It may have looked... It may have looked that way. And um, it was almost like a novelty kick at, at that time. And I remember people... Um, about the kick too, because if you miskicked it, it could almost go in the opposite direction. Did that ever happen? Early on, yeah. Right. Yeah, it did. Sure. Yeah, when I was young. Yeah. It was an odd thing, you know, you'd run out and, you know, try and hook it back, and all of a sudden, if you did, you know, I'd kick it badly and it'd finish up going in the opposition way. Didn't do that very often. <laughs> Finally, after 67, you came back in the pre-season of 68. It's dirt. Yes. Only over. How do you know these kick things? five goals. <laughs> I remember playing at Sturt. I don't remember kicking five, but I'll take them. But um, I remember... Did you come back? Yeah. Um, it was the first proper game I'd played since um, since the last game of 1966. Yeah. So was there a tendency to just be a bit... No, I was good. Yeah? Yeah, I was, I was good. Um, I never had much pace, and I found that um, the, the, the knee had probably slowed me down even more, and... It affected um, high marking, overhead marking, um, <laughs> your judgment of, uh, and your confidence. Mm. Yeah. Mm, just, yeah, that was, I have a memory of not being quite as confident, you know, taking overhead marks that season as a result of having the cards out the year before. So why did we play Sturt? Was there a particular reason? Good question. I reckon... Were they premiers? Yes. I'd say they were 67 premiers in, yeah. you know, and they thought they were a super side. Yeah. yeah. And then he came back in 68, he played round one, um, round four, five, 12, 13, 14. But from round, run, from round one to round 12, those four games you played, you were 19th man. Yeah. In fact, it, it seems you only played two full games yeah. in your career. You only selected literally twice. You kept, re you kept replacing everybody. You replaced <laughs> Burke, who had a cramp at Collingwood. Barry Richardson, who bruised his thigh at St Kilda. Bergen, South Melbourne. Brown, who wrenched his knee at Collingwood the same day that Russell Telly, Russell Telly did his knee in his only game. Remember that too. Great player. In, uh, uh, potentially, Russell. Yeah. You're right, actually. I think I, I'm... I think that's... You know, I, that's why I said to you on the phone. You know, it was all too brief. Um, I reckon I might have been picked in four games say four times. Mm. Mm. Did you play a night game? Play a night game? Play a night game at the end of 1966. Where was that? It was at South Melbourne. Oh, okay. Mm. Gee, that would have had good lights back then. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was a magical experience under the lights. It was, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't play many games. And, and not at all. Um, and as I said to you, you know, I regret the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to play in 1967. Yeah. My football career would have been different. In what way? Well, I would have started in the team anyway in 1967. Yeah. And, and with Kevin Rove in a good side, yeah. every chance to keep holding a club. Yeah, every chance. So were you at the grand final that year? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, watched it really, you know, half happy, half anguish. Yeah. Were you at the ground? Yes. Really? With your father? I reckon I watched it with a girlfriend actually. Right. Yeah, that day. Uh, 
from high in the stands of the brilliant game. Were you invited to celebration? I did. As you I went to that, uh, you know, subdued celebration, yeah. uh, uh, as they were then, on that night. Afterwards, yeah. Can I just ask you, what are your memories of the game that Russell Chelly did his name? Well, uh, is, is that the extremely wet day against Carl? Richmond lost by Collingwood, was it? Yeah. Extremely wet. Ground was mud. I thought he hurt his knee the, the, the week before. I may be wrong. Um, my memory of that game is that, again, I came on at half time, that Collingwood, <laughs> and it was a close match. Yeah. yeah, and that Richmond just lost. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying he could, have, he could have gone on to be a very good player? Oh, he, he looked like he'd uh, be outstanding. Yeah. Oh, he did too. He had everything. You know. He had pace and he had uh, he was agile and uh, good mark would keep. Yeah. He would have been a good player for Richmond. Would you say that your father admired Bill Young the most? Oh, absolutely, but we all loved him in the family. Right. Yeah. You know, he was the sort of player that appealed to me, you know, very skillful. Um, yeah, and... Um, just, you know, a magnificent kick and very fair. Right. All those things. So he was the one who you most admired, um, would you say? Yeah, apart from those early years, you know, with Bobby Davis and um, and Bernie Smith and um, and Piano and people like that at Geelong, there's a guy called Noel Race and he was a left-footed half-forward flanker and played a full forward. He was the sort of player that I would have liked to have been. I have three more questions and I'll let you go. Certainly. First one's a bit of a... No, I'll leave that one. Just very briefly, did you leave Richmond on good terms? No, I did, although, <coughs> um, again, you know, I'd probably have regrets about the, the, the way that happened as well. I, um, I'd asked for, halfway through the 1968 season, I'd sort of semi-seriously asked for a clearance to Melbourne. Semi-seriously? Yeah, that's the only way I could describe it. <laughs> and um, at the end of the year, I got it. Were you expecting it? I would have preferred to stay? A hard one to answer because um, they were very good Richmond. I knew they were going to keep being very good. And I thought it wouldn't be that easy to get a game in that side regularly. Whereas Melbourne were, had been a great club and were struggling. And I thought it would be a better chance of playing regular senior footy there. No. Semi seriously is a, is a nice way to put it. You're trying to say that you, 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 you asked in the hope that maybe they would say yes, but if they didn't say yes, then that's okay, you'll keep... What had happened, Reese, was that um, uh, Richmond had trained three nights one, one, uh, <laughs> one week and decided they'd train again the fourth the Saturday morning because it was a Monday game, and I missed the fourth one. I was never, never that enamoured about training personally, like your father. Who records he could have played another four seasons, but only three pre-seasons. That was a great one. <laughs> I know exactly what he meant. So the fourth one, I was only playing the second, and probably thought I should have been doing better. And I didn't go to training that, and, and I was dropped from the, um, the for the Monday seconds right. game. One week, you know, discipline yeah. thing. And um, you know, I might have been a bit petulant about it, but I was upset that that had happened, and it was around that time I looked for Clarence Melbourne. So you know, it's when I say semi-seriously, it's the sort of response you might give it, you know as a result of something like that happened to It wasn't particularly unfair, I should have gone, but three nights was enough for me. When playing for Melbourne, did you ever play against Richmond? I played against Richmond uh, once. And I only just played that one season in Melbourne, and then, you know, the knees gave way. Mm -hmm. I didn't play again, not the league 40 anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I played once against Richmond. I played against Kevin Chudy, actually. He was kind to me. Really? You know, he didn't belt me behind the ear. <laughs> there was a tendency that that may have happened. <laughs> Very kind. 
And Barry Richardson was even kinder, I can tell you. I, I was running with the flight of the ball for about 20 yards. The city end. And, you know, eventually took, took the mark, you know, full stretch on the ground. And I, I see someone coming thundering towards me. I think, I'm in trouble. You know, I didn't pull out of it, and I took the mark, and I thought, as Barry, Barry Richardson pulled up in front of me, I thought, I'm glad that was him. If it was someone else, I might have been in trouble. Uh, Always a tough question. Best play you saw for Richmond? For Richmond? Can I name more than one? Sure. No, I'll give you an unusual... Don't name entire 67 premiership. <laughs> I'll, I'll name someone unusual for a starter. Someone I, I thought would have been a great footballer, and was until he's... Um, he had serious knee injuries. Ian Hayden, at centre half back, oh, he was a good player. I watched him as I was growing up, though. Very good player in Hayden. He came through the reserves and slow, I think. Did he? I, I, I think you're fine. He yeah. Did. He I think he's a Queen Council now. You yes. Know. Is he? Well, yeah. Yes. I really liked him. Too. Was, he, was he that great? Was he? Well, did he have that? He was just like he was, you know, just under six foot, beautiful mark mm. and strong, mm. you know, and would have played in those premierships for sure. But I'm sure it was a knee that finished him early, or caused his career to end prematurely. Yeah. And he would have played in 67, 69, whether he would have been, I reckon, probably in his late 20s at that stage. Yeah. Then, of course, there was the obvious for us, hard, of course, but who was so naturally gifted. Yeah. And Kevin Bartlett was um, not far behind him either. He was a very game player, tremendous stamina and, and speed. Yeah. So if we, if we include Richmond now with all the other clubs, is there one player above everyone else who sticks in your mind? From which year? In the year that you played. Was there a best player in the year? As the young, you the young Sam Kekovic was an awesome footballer. He was. He was so strong and fast. You know, people could be... He could just run through packs with people hanging on his jumper and send a stone. There were great footballers at that time, though. You know, um, Baldock was still playing. Yeah. Jezelenko, um, Skilton, they're three, you know, I could name another 30, I reckon. They just seen Stuart. A lot of, you know, very gifted players at that time. Yeah. In decades to come, when people look up maybe your statistical history or your story, is there a sentence that you can think of that would sum up your football career? Yeah, unfulfilled. That's just one word. Yep. Unfulfilled. Definitely. Yeah, in retrospect, yeah. I would have liked to have played a lot more. Like a boomerang kick coming back, you would just like to return. Yeah, something. it's a good analogy. Because <laughs> it really finished as it was starting for me. I like that. Yeah, it did. Well, before I end the tape, is there anything further you, you, you want to say of interest or of note regarding your career? Any comments? This is an opportunity for you to. You don't have to, but say anything you wish. To anyone who years down the track might listen to this interview or or read the transcript. Hey, um, your football's a, a game where um, all generations of my family have played it, starting with Dad's grandfather Jack, then Dad himself, Colin, then my brother and I, and my my two brothers, Alan and Christopher, and myself, and then my own children. Five boys have played footy, Tim, Luke, Stephen, Nathaniel, Nicholas, and I'm glad they played. Magnificent. Thanks. That's lovely. Thank you very much for your time. Absolute pleasure.